Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello, Jade. Hello, Sophie. How are we this week? We're good this week. How are you? Are you? You're on school holidays. You're frowning at me like there's something (laughs) wrong with my face. No, look, I'm going to admit it that school holidays are exhausting, but we're getting through it. This is now week two. They're back at school next we're week. The they're all alive, mm-hmm. just, and they're all happy. I really want to say we are not doing anything. We went to the snow and did really cool stuff. We saw family, went to Melbourne, blah, 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 before the school holiday started. So this school holidays, we're doing jack crap nothing at all and they've done a lot of things but nothing too crazy and they're okay with it. And now I was watching your Instagram. Mm. I never saw an end result mm. of what happened with Mia's extravagant bunk bed. Oh, well, I want. I don't want to reveal it until it's done because I'm actually going to do a little bit of DIY. And you got an air tasker in. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Shut up. So, you got an air tasker. Start from the start. Okay. So for the people that don't follow me on Instagram, you should London Boston. <clears throat> anyway. London X Boston. Oh, London X Boston, thank you. And I got a bunk bed for Mia's birthday. It arrived. We opened it up. It had four giant boxes, <laughs> looked at the bloody instruction booklet and went, no thanks, I'm not doing this. So Harry was like, oh, I don't know. I, you know, I feel bad getting someone in to do it. I'm like, people are really happy to be paid to do jobs. Mm. Like that's why they're on Airtasker. Mm. So and let's PS, do it. if you haven't used Airtasker before, ultimate hack. I was going to say mum hack, but hack. just everyone hack. hack. So good. For anything. So People- it's an app and you literally list a job up there. Not you sponsored. list your price. Yeah, not sponsored but feel free. You list when you need it done by and they come back and if they can negotiate if they want, they can just accept them. You can give them a pay rise. It's just. For example, you could literally say to someone, come and clean out my garage for 50 bucks or come and fold my washing this week because I. that's an idea. No, people do it and they just come over and do it and it's done. And I got someone in to do this bunk bed. Now, the poor guy, it took him from 12 o'clock at lunchtime till 5.30 at <gasps> night, go wait, and he said he was sweating and he ripped a crutch in his pants and he was like, oh, gosh, got his whole life story, bless his heart. No wonder it took him five and a half hours. <laughs> I know, no. And then he said, do you mind if I come back tomorrow morning because, you know, you guys are about to have dinner and I've got to have dinner too. And so he came back the next day, he finished it, we gave him some extra money because he was just such a legend. Anyway, the guy's coming back next week. We've got a whole list of other things to do and the reason that I haven't shown the bed reveal yet is because it is fantastic 
what the girls have actually realized is there's a secret cubby house underneath. There's so much room under there. So they spent all their time, hashtag mum hack for school holidays. They all go in there and watch an iPad for like an hour and a half and they're so fine. Throw a few snacks in. It's literally like put your feet up, relax. So good. But so, I can't wait for this DIY no, okay, so air tasker content. <laughs> so I'm going to paint one wall, the small wall, and I'm going to get the air tasker back to put in two racks so it's like an open clothing rack because mm. it'll look nice. Mm. So that is why I know you're all hanging for this content. It will come. It's going to be bloody I just, fabulous. What does DIY stand for? It's <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> Pay someone else to do it. Yeah. yeah, that's it. No, I love it and that's totally the way I would go about it too. I, I, no, Nick, I'm painting the wall is DIY. Oh, no, no you'll start. Yeah, Nick and I are notorious for starting a job and then getting halfway through and then it ends up being like more expensive because we'll have like slightly fucked it up and then they've got to like not only fix it but do what the initial thing was to do in the first if place. If the wall is anything like my cubby house outside, it will be half done. So yeah. maybe I should get air tasks Yeah, we actually this afternoon are meant to have our bed bases finally oh. delivered. So since moving into the house, I think we moved in in April. I didn't order it in April. I was a bit delayed. Like, no, no, no. <laughs> but it's getting delivered this afternoon and the lady, who I've gone through was kind of like, oh, these are the things that need to be done to like put it together. I can organize to have like a tradesperson come to your house and put it together for Lisa. you. And Nick was like, no, nah, no, nah, I've got it. And she was like, oh, do you have like this like roofing drill set? And I was like, there's no way Nick will have that. And I asked him, he's like, yeah, yeah, I've got that. Anyway, Doesn't I so, it. no, he will, but I so know I'm sleeping on the floor tonight. Like I just know it is not going to happen. By the time he's home, by the time he gets his shit together and, and then there's, toolkit. oh, he won't be able to find the toolkit. Oh, it'll be out of battery. Oh, where's the battery? Oh, where's the charger for the battery? I'm sleeping on the floor tonight without a doubt and I'll be organising a tradesperson tomorrow. Anyway, but you've got to give him benefit of the doubt. You've got to, you know. I, I feel like they want to be able to do the task that you give them and that's why I said like, you know, I gave him the option and he looked mm. at it and he was like, oh, this is going to take me for it. And I'm like, I've, it's, I already booked the air tasker. But yeah, I was yeah. like, you know, why don't we get an air tasker? Yeah. He's like, oh, nah. Like, I just don't. I'm like, honestly, it's like $110 and he'll be here tomorrow. And he's like, how do you know? I'm like, oh, because <laughs> I've already booked it. I just kind of <laughs> wanted you to be on board. But anyway, just giving your ego a little massage. How um, good. Any highs and lows of the week? Okay, low school holidays, but we're getting through it. Yeah. Bless them. It's not like I don't love my kids. I absolutely love them. But i got to tell you, they fight like maniacs. It's really hard to get Yumi off to daycare because she can see that they're not going to school. So we've had her home for a few days and they just get cabin fever and we're mm. not doing much. So they, they're going a bit stir crazy. Highs, I've been feeling really content with everything in life overall, which is a rare moment. So I'm really just relishing like, are in Are we that. worried about a manic episode or no. are we happy with where we're sitting? We're happy because I am taking each day as it comes and mm. not being as like overproductive as I used to be. Mm. I'm really listening to myself and having down days and that is what is making me feel really good. So I'm balancing my life 
really well at the moment is what I'm trying to say. What about you? Any highs or lows? Yeah, no, my week's been good. My highs and my lows are related to darling Goldie. Low is she's sick again. It's never ending and she hasn't touched wood. She hasn't got like really sick this winter. It's just been like a never ending like or probably shouldn't send you to daycare type (laughs) sick. And like last week, for example, she got hand, foot and mouth. First time anyone in our family has got hand, foot and mouth. I had posted on Instagram 10 days before I'd done a QA and a and someone had asked about if I had any tips for dealing with hand, foot and mouth. And I wrote back being like, oh, no one in our house has actually had it before, but follow Penny at Sick Happens. She has great tips, da-da-da-da, 10 days Later, she wakes up with hand, foot and mouth, but she was fine. Yeah. So it's like I couldn't send her to daycare, no, but, but she, she was still energy had ball. energy. And I'm like, if you're going to be home, can you lay down? Yeah. And she's, you know, cut her nap recently. But my high is I do want to send love and encouragement out there to anyone who has someone who's dropping their day nap earlier than they expected. Now, Poppy is four and a half and still naps once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Goldie is two and a half and has completely dropped her day nap. Didn't go from like napping every second day. She just decided one day you are not putting (laughs) me in that cot and I am not having a nap and she has not napped since. Except if we've been like in the car or something. Anyway, but I just want to send love and hope out there to anyone else who has a defiant child like mine. I know I touched on this last week, but bedtime is so much easier. She is fast asleep at 6.30. And because she's been refusing the cot, she's in a big bed and touch wood so far. It's going to be a hand, foot and mouth situation. She's going to stop as soon as I say this out loud. Touch wood, touch wood. Touch wood. That's my head. (laughs) (laughs) She has been sleeping in a big bed all night. By herself? Well, we have to lay down with her to go to sleep, but then she stays in there all night. night. Yeah, she's rolled out once, so now we have to barricade (laughs) her. She was fine. I'm like, girl, you're like this tiny tot. You're in a double bed. How many times did you have to roll to roll off the side? Like that thing is And usually they're sideways and upside down. Yeah. Anyway, so that's been a good news. Hang on, and she wakes up at what time? Oh, anywhere between six and And seven in the morning. Yeah, well, like we hear her waking up and we go get her. So she doesn't get out? Not really. One morning I didn't realise that Nick Nick had been in with her. This was at the very start when we were too scared to leave her. Nick had slept in the double bed with her, but I didn't realise he'd got up in the morning and he'd, like, gone for a surf or something like that. <laughs> and I just hear these little footsteps coming down the corridor. It was so cute because she just looks so – she's very young looking for her age and she's just, like, tottering up the um, corridor. Anyway, very cute. So – that's Proud been the highs it. and lows of the week. Proud mama. Okay. Also, her yeah. defiance led to, this is not to flex, but I'm going to because, like, if you have quite a defiant, strong-willed child, you need to take the wins where you can. Yes. She decided one day, I no longer wear a nappy. Oh. And, look, it led to a few days of accidents, but she basically toilet trained mm. herself. She's ready. Because she just decided, no, I don't wear that She's anymore. She's had enough. So now at night we have to put a pair of undies on her, then a nappy yeah. over the top. Might so she wakes up too. every morning oh, no. with these gross saturated undies underneath oh, no. a nappy. But there's no. Do you know what, though? Get one of those sheets that are 
there's some really nice yeah. brands. It's like the midnight. But she, she doesn't leak through. It's just like that must feel really gross oh. on your bits. Oh, well, it won't take too long before yeah. she gets. Over should we get feeling. into today's episode? I think we should. Let's let's tell them. Okay, so this week we spoke to the beautiful Danielle Murray. She is a school teacher and an author, and we spoke all about school readiness. So how to know if your little one's ready for school? If you should like the pros and cons of holding them back, of sending them early, basically. We just had a personal consult over <laughs> if Jade and I were making the right decision about our children. But I found this so interesting and I really think it's an area that can be quite stressful but is not talked about often. So Yeah, and I think the conversation, like you don't, well, I hope you guys don't, but we didn't feel like we were pulled in different directions going, oh, no, I should be doing this. You really do get tips on understanding your child and knowing what's right and wrong for them. So we hope you enjoy. Hello, Danielle. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. For those who haven't seen your book or come across you before, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and I guess why we're talking about what we are today? Absolutely. So my name's Danielle. I've been a primary school teacher for about 10 years. And while I was on maternity leave, I wrote a book called Before Big School, which is a practical parent's guide to school readiness. Basically, I had a ton of overwhelmed parents when I was a teacher just feeling completely out of their depths with the start to school. And I just thought there's nothing out there that's really practical and conversational for parents that is an easy resource. So I thought, I could write one. <laughs> and we want all of our listeners obviously to gain something from this, but we've kind of got you on in a selfish way as well because Jade <laughs> and I are both very interested. I'm thinking of sending Poppy late. Jade is thinking of sending Yumi early. And it is overwhelming because often you're just getting people's experiences and they may have only had, you know, one child who they had to make the decision for or they may just be one person who went to school early or went to school late or whatever. And often they're so, there's such strong opinions mm. in both directions, mm. depending on who you speak to. But before we start, we need to make it really clear because in Australia, we have so many different terminologies of what <laughs> kindy is and what prep is and what states what. So we're going to try and make it clear before we start as to what you're going to be saying when you say kindy. So if you can explain yeah, what's the different are you states. Based in? So I'm in Queensland, so we call the first year prep. <laughs> like to... Melbourne. So Victoria yes. calls the first year prep as well, but in New South Wales they call the first year kindy. Yes, so Queensland kindergarten is that final year of childcare and then prep is the first year of school. So that's what I will stick with just so I'm not confusing myself. Jade and I both grew up in Victoria, so actually <laughs> kinder and prep is what we're used to and that's what we'll be saying, but that's the equivalent of preschool and kinder. Yes, when I wrote my book I put a page in about that just to explain the differences. <laughs> yeah, or it's before school and once you've started school. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right, so let's get stuck into it because we're super excited to know what we're going to do next year. What are some pros to sending your child to school early? So and what is it? In in Australia, the cutoff age is I think June. So if your child turns 5 at the start of the year, is that essentially too early? Well, this it's such a tough question because it is so dependent on the child. 
um, and it's such a personal decision. I think one of the pros to sending them early is the cost of childcare. Yeah. Because I know like not every parent is fortunate enough to be able to keep their child back. They just, they can't afford it because childcare is so expensive. So I do understand there are some parents that just have to send them early. And I'm hoping that my book is a good resource for them just to help them get ready. But there are some kids who are the youngest in the class, but it just doesn't bother them. They're completely ready for school. I've talked to so many parents with children who were just turning five and they were 100% confident to send their child. They just knew they were ready. So gut feeling does come down to it. So I feel because I'm the one that wants to send Yumi early, she is the third child. She sort of ticks all the boxes at daycare. She goes to daycare five days a week. So she pretty much runs that whole centre <laughs> at the moment. And I, She's on her wage. <laughs> she's on her wage. It's great. It's, it's helping me pay for the daycare. But the the carers there, I, I've asked them, I said, what are your thoughts right now on her actually going early? And they said, honestly, if we kept her back one more year, she would be bored to death. She's, yes. she's really quite confident. She's engaging. She's ticking all the boxes. And I don't want to, like, obviously, if she was behind in any way or not even that, she genuinely, and we'll get into this later, all the all the reasons as to what is readiness. But if, if there was something lacking, then I would have no hesitation. But I think when you see your child thriving and ticking a lot of boxes off it it is that confidence that you go okay I think perhaps I'll be fine the only issue I do have and this is what a lot of people who have actually gone to school young have said is oh but in year 12 I I didn't turn 18 when all my friends did so I was the last one they got fake IDs (laughs) and like that's the downfall apparently mate I was September I was a normal aged kid and I had a fake ID for years so I think no matter what you're probably gonna have a fake ID yeah I think this wasn't even an issue when I was at school like everyone in my year was 17 because prep didn't start back when I was at school so yeah there was only like a handful of kids that were actually turning 18 okay when I was in year 12 so yeah this is not even something I've thought about well great I'm done that's it see ya (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no I think that yeah if your child is really confident and thriving I do think holding them back can actually be detrimental because they can become quite bored especially if they've been in childcare since a young age Mm. you know they may have been in childcare since they were you know six months old so they are probably feeling like get me into school I'm ready Is there something to be said about, you know, because Yumi's very used to, say, being in daycare for five days, would there be any benefit of taking her out of that daycare and sending her to, Mm. you know, like a specific preschool or a specific kindergarten or a specific mini school type thing for a year for a change of scenery, you know, maybe something more structured and then sending her to school? Or if you're pulling her out, is it kind of like she may as well just go to school anyway? Yeah, I think if she's if she's ready, like you feel confident that she's ready for school and she's thriving where she is, I would say she's probably ready to go to school. I would do mm. that rather than put her into another kindergarten program. 
I'm devastated that she can't go to school next year. Like she's she's going to be four <laughs> in March next year and she's got a whole nother year to go. <laughs> and what are actually, though, the cons of a child being bored in daycare? Like does it matter if they're bored or is can that actually be detrimental? I think that it can cause sometimes behaviour issues. So they may act out because they're bored, they're feeling frustrated. So I think it can cause behaviour issues and frustration and that's something you don't want before you send them to school. Mm. Yeah, you don't want to start, you know, separation anxiety can occur if they're feeling frustrated and not wanting to be there. You can actually start to see those those separation issues that you didn't have before pop up and yeah, you don't really want those popping up before you send them to school if there were none before, especially. And what are, you know, if you financially are able to make the choice to hold your child back, what are some of the pros of your child starting school that bit later? Um, so I guess I'll talk a little bit about some of the reasons parents have for holding their children back. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest ones would be emotional maturity. So Things to look for are can they separate from parents easily at drop-off? Are they able to deal with change? Um, Those are two big things because with school there's different things happening all the time. So they need to be able to cope with changes in routine. So I think those are two really big things. Also just socially, like being able to play independently and also initiate play, join in play. Sometimes that extra year of childcare can really help with, with giving them those experiences. One of the things that uh, I remember I was chatting to, I was on holidays and actually met a primary school teacher, like a young primary school teacher when I was away on holidays and I I started picking her brain on this. And she said, one of the things that gets missed, um, and especially in girls, because girls are often seen as, you know, really emotionally ready for school. But she said, one (laughs) of the things that's often missed is stamina. And that's actually one of the main reasons that we are holding Poppy back. So she's she's a February baby. So she will have started school, I think, just when she's turned six. She does three days of daycare now. And she has been doing daycare since she was like 14 or so months. So she's been there for a long time. She never has any troubles with drop-off. She's quite emotionally intelligent, but she is honestly flat out going to daycare three days a week. Like she, after the third day, she is beside herself. And one of the main reasons is I cannot see her getting through a five-day week. Is that something that's common and should be considered? Yes, definitely. We have had kids in their first week of prep just fall asleep in the book corner after lunch, Mm. just absolutely exhausted. And then you do have a lot of exhaustion and meltdowns after school and that's really normal but I think yeah if if you're feeling like she's not handling the three days then I think that is a really good reason to give her another year if you can. Yeah and she still naps once or twice a week because of that exhaustion from daycare and I know the daycare days tend to be longer because you Mm. can leave them longer so you do leave them longer (laughs) but it's still like it's pretty free play and that kind of thing like there's not as much structured learning and I'm just like I feel like your brain would honestly melt out your ears if you had to go five 
days oh, in a oh, row. Absolutely. And I think with school, there's so much more structure, um, sitting down. They're always on the go, like they're going to a sports lesson and then they're back. There's no nap time. So it is very full on in comparison. So, yeah, I think give her that extra year if it just, I think gut feeling counts so much. Like, you know, your child, like just listening to both of you, like I can tell that you both know your children and have made that decision. And I think a lot of parents don't realise that it is a decision they can make. Like it Mm. is such a personal thing. It comes down to the child. I think also speaking to the kindergarten teachers, they're such a wealth of knowledge. They see your children in scenarios that you don't see them in. So Mm. Yeah, they're just in a totally different environment and they act so differently to what they act at home. (laughs) It's funny that you say that because we'll talk about this later when they do start school and then what unfolds after it in the first (laughs) year. But when Mia started school and she was my first child that started school, so I had no idea what to expect, no expectations but she seemed to be quite okay at school and then when I picked her up she would literally just burst into tears, scream, she would be like all the emotions would just be released and then she'd fall asleep in the middle of the hallway and she's not the child to nap or do that. And I know at the start they had these smaller, shorter days but even that was quite overwhelming and I said to her teacher, I don't think she's coping very well. And she said, honestly, the fact that these tiny little humans are bottling all their emotions at school, they're doing the best they can without their parents and their comfort zone. They come home and they see their mum and dad or their parents that are so comfortable and that is their space to let loose. And they do. I think parents are definitely their safety net and they do cop it. So I, (laughs) (laughs) yes, like I've spoken to so many parents that have just said, oh my God, the meltdowns, like I have threatened to like record them and show them to you. And they're so mortified because I have these children that are just angels at school and their parents go, oh, there's such a handful at home. Like, are they behaving? And I'm going, are we talking about the same child? And I guess that's something that I'm going to see with my son now because I think being a teacher for so long, you see them at their absolute best. I think the way I describe it to parents is like, you've got your home and your work personality. Like, you know, you're not yeah. going to chuck a tantrum at work. And I don't know. <laughs> We've got a pretty safe workplace. Safe space. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But yeah, I think just, yeah, you've got like a, a professional persona and then a home persona and, and children are exactly the same. So I think once they get home, they just completely let loose and just. You see it from the start of daycare though. Like I remember, you know, both the girls started, I think, just over 12 months at daycare and the daycare educator would be telling me, oh, yeah, they sleep on this stretcher around the other <laughs> With kids, all those kids. Um, you know, and they slept for two and a half hours today and, oh, no, you forgot <laughs> you forgot their, you know, special comforter but they didn't need it. Oh, no, they, did, they didn't have a bottle before they went to bed today, da-da-da-da. And I'm like, mate, at home it's like the perfect temperature, the perfect, you know, darkness, they've got their white noise on. <laughs> And they've got their comforter and they're awake after 40 fucking minutes. No, the biggest thing that I find is that I go to the I go to the daycare teacher and I'll say, 
oh gosh, she has been eating nothing nutritious at home. Like she never picks up an apple. She'll never drink this. She just wants milk, milk, milk. They're like, she eats better than most kids here. She eats all her fruit and vegetables. I'm like, are we talking about the same child? We're raising little people pleasers. They just don't care about pleasing us. It's insane. That's it, yeah. And you know what? I say to parents, if they are, you know, coming home and and having a meltdown, like you've done a good job because you are their safe space. And, yeah, that's what they need, I think, at the end of school. And that first week of school is wild. Honestly, it is I get to the end of the day as a prep teacher and I'm just asleep on the lounge at 3.30. It is Having tantrums down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine like what it's like for these these little babies. <laughs> I know that it, this comes from a place of like definitely this is not an option for everyone but, you know, saying that that first week of prep is, you know, intense and, and, and this is already something I'm thinking about coming into the school school age, like school hours for working parents are so difficult. Like if we can, I don't know, take a week off or something in that first week, maybe so they don't go to after school care or what, like, you know, you obviously see a lot of parents out there juggling the work school balance. Like how do we do that? Honestly, like looking at it now with a teacher and a parent hat on it it terrifies me like the thought of working full-time with kids in school like I just think it's crazy so if you do have the option to take that first week off that's great because I've written a little chapter in my book about the first week and beyond and I've just said like you know, be kind to yourself, be kind to your child. Just if you can do something special on that Friday afternoon to Mm. celebrate surviving that first week, no homework, just don't even attempt that for a little while. Most teachers will not even give anything out for a few weeks just to let them settle. Just when they come home, don't have any expectations after school. Just let them play, let them relax and just get through it. And like dinners that you know they like no do you think like no plans on that first weekend like what's that first weekend like because I feel like I would really miss my kids after five days apart but then I feel like the first weekend they're probably just not even going to be able to talk yeah I just think that first weekend just do something really nice and relaxing go to the beach go to the park just let them blow off some steam (laughs) And if I can give any advice with the first week of school is to not overload them with how was your day, what did you do, did you make friends, did you do that because they're they're literally for the first time in that whole day sitting down in their safe place in the car and unwinding and processing everything that's gone through and I found that I almost triggered my two daughters into having meltdowns because I was asking too much from them. So literally just popping on the music and making it as normal as any other day and if they had something to say I would absolutely listen but other than that until they got more and more comfortable and less tired then I'd be like I find that with daycare too like I'll be like oh what did you get up to today they'll be like nothing nothing I'm like I literally (laughs) haven't seen you for hours like how have you not been doing nothing and I find that if you don't ask and just kind of like chat about your day or whatever, like little bits and pieces that they want to share come out. Yeah. But they don't really have the ability to even think back on their day and think what they did. No, and I think too, like 
so much happens in a school day, like from morning to afternoon, like there's a million things going on. So I think when your child gets in the car and you go, how was school? What did you do today? It's so overwhelming for them. It's easier to just say nothing. So I had a parent come into a parent-teacher interview and I was showing them the workbooks and they go, oh, thank God. Like, honestly, <laughs> I, can't, I can't believe like how much you guys do here because every day, what did you do? Nothing. And I said. <laughs> Poor teachers. Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious because they just don't have that ability to to recall what, what they've done because it's just so much. And I think it really helps to ask them specific questions rather than how was your day because how was your day? You're going to get good. What did you do? Nothing. <laughs> I like to sort of ask questions that are more specific and open questions where they can't just say yes or no or nothing. So things like, you know, what did you learn today or who did you play with? What did you do in your sports lesson? That sort of gives them yeah. a prompt to get them thinking about different parts of their day and then you might find that more just comes out. What did you eat in your lunchbox and be honest? Yeah, <laughs> what was something you found tricky today or what was something that was funny? Just really specific helps them to kind of recall what was going on in the day because it is a lot. And I know we've touched on this briefly and it probably is a bit of an endless list, but if parents are not getting a gut instinct one way or the other and they just want a couple of tick boxes to just start that thinking process of is my child ready or not? So the main things are social readiness, emotional readiness, and then is it like intellectual readiness or physical readiness? Like what what are some tick boxes we can just kind of go through to go, oh, maybe they're gearing towards not ready or maybe, oh, yeah, they do seem to be really ready? So when I look at school readiness, I break it down into, so skills for learning, are they willing to learn? Do they have a love of learning? Are they curious? Things like that. I look at communication skills. So can they speak to other children and adults? I've put a whole section just about speaking to adults in my book mm. because for some children that is absolutely terrifying and in a school day there's so many different times they'll have to speak to adults teachers teacher assistants office ladies tuck shop ladies and it can be really overwhelming so they actually need practice at speaking to other adults also yeah social skills and emotional regulation is a huge one so Things like are they able to deal with problems and things that make them upset using words rather than getting physical? Children really need to be given the words to talk about their feelings and they need a lot of practice and we need to model that for them. So being able to, you know, acknowledge how they're feeling and, and talk about that, that's a big one. Things like joining in play, being able to you know, walk up to a group of kids and join in because for some kids that's just so daunting. Oh, part of even thinking about this is breaking my heart. Like I'm thinking like imagine if Poppy couldn't go off and join in play like, oh. And you can't you be feel there so to out support of control. Them and, them. and they really need support with that because like if, if you think about walking into a bar, walking up to a random group of people you've never met before and saying, can I sit with you? Like that sober. would make most yeah, parents. Sober. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sober. Most parents would like rather die than do that. And it's we kind of just expect kids to be able to do that because their kids like go join in, but they actually need practice at 
at doing that. I moved schools when I was 13 and I said to my mum, can you come in and introduce me to any group that you find? Because I was so afraid of doing it. And yeah, obviously at that age, you'd think you'd be able to do it, but I moved states and a new school and I felt more comfortable than my mother coming and introducing me to. And she just, she literally picked a group of girls and said, hi, Jade's from Melbourne. She doesn't know anyone. Would you mind just making her feel comfortable? And thank gosh, she picked the right group of girls. They were the best (laughs) group of girls. And we hung out for the two years I was in Sydney. But if you went off the rails, you could have been like, Mum, it's yeah. your fault. You, <laughs> you choose those friends for me. Other parents are your best asset. Most schools will do orientation sessions. They're really important, not just for the kids, but yeah, for the parents, like getting there early and, and making friends with the other mums. It's just the best. I've, the amount of times I've seen the parents in my class, like, you know, help each other out. Like someone can't come, they're stuck, they can't pick the kids up. They organise that amongst themselves, um, reminding each other about events that they forgot about because mm. it's so busy. And I think even just parents, if you're a first-time mum, parents that have other children in school that have done it before, they're experts. And just if you could organise some, some social play dates in the lead up to school, that just makes a world of difference because if they've got a few familiar faces at that door on the first day, it's mm. going to help get them into the classroom. And how concerned should we be about speech? I mean, you're not expecting them to be completely articulate. I mean, I'm still struggling now at 34, but how (laughs) much should they be able to speak in terms of, I know some kids can, you know, struggle with certain phrases. I mean, Billy's still learning how to say and pronounce her R's. How do you know that they're ready to go to school if they are not all there with their speech? I think things like, you know, pronunciation issues and things you might need to work on with a speech pathologist down the track or a lot of them will just rectify on their own. Those things I wouldn't be too concerned about. I think they just need to be able to get their message across. Mm. A really important thing is just being able to ask for help if they need it. That's huge at school, being able to communicate with other children. So, yeah, I wouldn't be worrying about little things like pronunciation. Those things generally will sort themselves out with practice. But, Great. yeah, I think they just need to be able to, to communicate with their peers and, and I think confidence is a big thing with speech, being able to speak to their teacher if they need it. Things like asking to go to the toilet, that's really important. A lot of kids mm-hmm. are terrified and that can cause issues, especially if you've got a child that's, you know, terrified of doing the wrong thing. They might not want to ask to go in class time and, yeah, that can be really hard. Prep, I think we're, we're very mindful of that. Most teachers, I mean, we spend half our day at the toilet in the first week of prep because <laughs> yeah, we're just wanting to make sure that they've got lots of opportunities. <laughs> but having the conversation, having a really good bond with the teacher and, and making the time to get to know them because I feel like you know your child, they're getting to know your child. When something that isn't normal at home starts to happen at school, it's often an indication that they're not comfortable with. And I noticed with Billy, she started to go to the toilet a lot and it raised an alarm for me that her anxiety was up and we, we couldn't work out why. So I was working closely with the teacher into what's triggering like something that's going on. And we did, we got to the end of it and 
their toilet uh, stops reduced and and we got there in the end. So I really do think that if you can have a nice relationship with the teacher throughout the year, I mean, gosh, it helps you, it helps the teacher and it helps the child. Yeah, I think the partnership between home and school is so important. It's probably the most important thing. If something's going on at home that's, you know, causing issues at school or vice versa, I think, you know, the teacher really needs to know about it. Like, and I love it when parents say, you know, this is happening, I'm concerned, what can we do? Because it mm. just, it really helps us to come up with some kind of plan, especially with separation anxiety. I think if your child is, obviously there's going to be tears in that first week for a lot of kids. That's totally normal and parents. But I think if the separation anxiety is escalating, it's not improving, it's really important to talk to the teacher and come up with some kind of plan. I think, you know, sometimes you may need to to get them on board to to get your child in the door and, you know, they're experts, they do this all the time. Sometimes, you know, you may need outside help, like there's guidance officers and things in schools that, that can really help with strategies and things for separation anxiety. So, yeah, definitely being in partnership with the teacher is really, really important. Sometimes children will benefit just from the strangest thing, like having a job in the morning, just that distraction. Like I had a child that would help put out the worksheets every morning and that's what got them in the door and just made the world of difference, like giving them a stack of worksheets, hand out on the desks. That was all they needed to stop running out the door in the morning. And I think the way that they perceive an event or whatever can be so different. So if something's happening at home, they may yes. be trying <laughs> to say something to you at school and you're kind of like, I have no idea. Like a little example was at Poppy's daycare, the guinea pig had died and so like oh. the daycare sent a message being like, hi, just want to let you all know that we've been having conversations and reading books around death. So like if your <laughs> child comes home saying some weird things, you know, or some things about death, like this is why. And that was so helpful. And like, I remember there was one day that Poppy came home and she's like, oh yeah, we learned about dinosaurs today. And did you know, Millie's grandma also died from a meteorite on the weekend. And so I had to message my friend and be like, oh, I don't know if like obviously the meteorite part's not true, but like is everything okay? Did Millie's grandma die over the weekend? And she hadn't at all, but they just say the funniest things. And it's like if you're not having that open communication, it can be really hard to know what's true, what's not true, what are they actually trying to tell me here? Absolutely. And some of we we would do a weekend recount writing in prep on a Monday morning, just really simple, what did you do on the weekend? And there was one child every single weekend, what did you do? I went to the zoo. And we just couldn't work every weekend. We're like, okay, you've got to have done something else. Like did anything else happen on the weekend? No, we went to the zoo, we, we saw the elephant. And I spoke to the parents at the interview and they said, we've actually not been to the zoo for about a year, but (laughs) he just loved it. He loved it so much that he obviously just has, has stuck to it. But it's just, they're funny. They're just hilarious, I think. Some of the things that you see and hear in a school day, just wow. I don't know why this is something that stuck with me and I don't even know if it's true, but for some reason I thought like a kid's ability to write their name was something they have to do before school or is that another one of those small things that it's like emphasis is put on it but it really doesn't matter? Well, it 
it's this is an interesting one because there's so many skills that children need before they can write. So pre-writing skills, they need really good fine motor control. So lots of, you know, playing with Play-Doh, fine motor activities to build those muscles up in their hands. Also, they need to be able to master the the pencil grip, which is a whole other thing. So I'm a big believer in in not having children start writing until they're ready. But writing their name is kind of one of the exceptions. Obviously, I'm not going to say don't send your child to school if they can't write their name because that would be ridiculous. Some kids, it takes longer than others, especially if they have a long name. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I think more so being able to recognise their name Mm. before they go to school. So before they can write it, they need to constantly see their name. I tell parents, just plaster it everywhere, just label everything, put it up in their room, lots of exposure, Um, just because it makes it easier for them to look after their belongings at school. When there's, you know, 20 water bottles jumbled in a box, if they can actually pick out their water bottle and, and find their name, it helps. They're also writing it all the time at school and worksheets and things. So it is important, but it's not the be all and end all, which is kind of what it gets made out to be. Like there's so much talk about writing names. And major parenting hack is you call your child Poppy. There's three P's in it and they learn to write their name really early. (laughs) It's a major flex. Absolutely. Well, my son is Cade, so four letters. Nice Done. And easy. <laughs> but this is why I love daycare because it gave us indications as to what was going on before Mia could write her name. So, for example, they would say to us, hey, we're just letting you know that we probably need to focus more on her fine motor skills because in terms of her trying to grip a pencil or doing blah, blah, blah or stacking blocks, like these are the things that we need you to do a little bit more at home so we can get her school ready. And I don't think that I would have picked up on any of that because I'm not really educated in fine motor skills and gross motor skills. I know a little bit about it, but not enough for me as a parent to go, oh gosh, I've really got to, you know, focus more on that. And because we did, we got there. So I think there's a lot of benefits to either going to a, it's going to get confusing, a kindy or a daycare or a bloody whatever you go to before school. Yes. (laughs) Just even if it's like, you know, a few days leading up to that time. We actually did have quite a few mothers write in saying that they wanted to keep their kids at home for as long as possible and, you know, weren't planning on sending their child to daycare or to a kinder. And they were asking, is it okay if that first year of school is their first time in care? Um, I would definitely suggest a year of kindergarten or preschool, preschool, whatever it's called in whichever state you're in, Mm. just because... I've noticed as a prep teacher there is a difference, an obvious difference between the children who have done that year and the ones who haven't just in terms of maturity, separation, those sorts of things, um, ability to cope with change, just that year is really important. I'm probably planning to keep my son home until kindergarten, but I think that that kindergarten year, that, that first year before school is really really important because like you were saying Jade like picking up on on fine motor issues like that's something that probably would go undetected at home I think something this is a little bit off topic but really important just things like opening 
packets and containers at school can be an issue like opening a glue stick there's no glue sticks in my house (laughs) no and yeah honestly like trying to watch a child open a packet of biscuits or something is honestly the most frustrating thing and it's so tempting to jump in and go just give it here I'll do it so I think lots of practice with things like that because they go to school they have to open all their own containers and things day one I will have a line of about 10 kids who can't open their squeezy yogurt so they are hard you gotta crack it before you you put it in (laughs) half crack the top up and put it back on like little things like that um yeah so the fine fine and gross motor skills are really really important before school things like with gross motor skills managing stairs because they may have a classroom that's upstairs and if you're in a low set house they may not have a lot of exposure to that being able to to manage holding a pencil I've in my book I've got lots of fine and gross motor activities because I think they're very very important and you know if your child is ready to start writing I have put in a little thing about pencil grip because some of the pencil grips we get on in the first week of school don't look at my pencil grip and I'm left-handed I've got no hope (laughs) and that's it I think you know parents with the best intentions, you know, will start to teach their kids how to hold a pencil, how to write. But it's been so long since they've been at school. And, you know, as an adult, handwriting goes out the window. Like it's Especially it's nowadays. How stretch. often do you even yeah, write? Absolutely. I'm old school, so all the time, like I hand wrote a lot of my book. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just think, you know, letter formation, if you want to teach your child to hold a pencil and form letters, really important to actually just familiarize yourself with the correct pencil grip because it's harder to correct a pencil grip that's Mm. wrong than to teach it and same with letter formation like whatever state you're in if you just google the state handwriting there'll be charts that will show you the correct way to form does handwriting change from state to state as well very slightly but yeah so there's like a queensland handwriting and oh god are you kidding well there's clean there's queensland driving and there's victorian (laughs) driving we definitely know the difference there i find that it's it's important to remember that like what they're learning and it's important. Like Yumi at the moment, right, fine motor skill opportunity here is her wanting to put the lid on her bottle. She's obsessed with doing it. And at the start I'm like, that's great. yeah, but at the start I'm like, so annoying, I'm like, babe, it's just so it, much oh, easier yeah, when absolutely. you've got full milk, warm milk for me to just do it. And I kept on trying yeah. to do it and she'd have a meltdown and then I sort of clicked and went, you're actually freaking trying to learn a new thing, Jay. Just <laughs> let her a, do yeah, it. Ind- independence. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've now yes. she's bloody spitting that lid on like it ain't no thing and we're all good to go. But you've got to get through <laughs> those weeks. That's the next thing she's learning. Yeah, yeah, I know. Slow down. Yes. Problem-solving skills are really important and they probably are one of the most frustrating things as a parent because you just think, my God, I just need to put an end to this. <laughs> I'm just going to jump in and do it for them. But in like in the long run, it doesn't help them, but short-term, it's, it's the best. Yeah. Now, how can we help emotionally sensitive kids prepare for school? Or I guess any kids, like what's a school day like? Like if your child is starting school soon, how do you explain, like... It's been so long since I was in prep. What happens in prep? Oh, goodness. So, so much. Often I'll usually in the mornings go through the day with my class just to prepare them because some kids just absolutely don't cope with something different because they just love to know exactly what's happening and when it's happening. So I'll often go through the timetable of when we're doing things. 
And this is really good for preparing them at home. Like if you can just have like a weekly timetable up with your child and go through it, just so they're starting to get a feel for connecting days of the week to mm. activities. Like you might go to dance class on a Wednesday and, and they know on a Wednesday, a Wednesday morning that they get up, they get ready, they go to dance. That's really helpful. I think in terms of preparing them for school, the best piece of advice I can give parents is just to keep it positive. Mm. Grandparents kind of love to talk about how terrifying school is and how they used to get the cane oh and get sent God. to the office. Then is that not helpful? <laughs> no, because I was absolutely terrified in my first week of school because my pop would talk about the cane and all all this and my mum said they don't do that anymore don't worry so those stories while they might be funny for some kids it's probably best to wait until they're settled into school and they realize that's not going to happen to them so best piece of advice is just keep it positive um Another great thing is doing those orientation sessions because if they can actually meet their teacher, meet their class, it's just the best thing for nerves, especially if you can put a face to the name of their teacher because mm. when you say, you know, your teacher's there to help you, if if they've met them, it's just it's yeah. so different. And if you can, yeah, get together with some parents from the class, organise some little play dates before school, that's really helpful as well. Shopping for school supplies they love it. It's extremely exciting to pick out a new lunchbox that can help to kind of get them in the in the school frame of mind. Things like trying on the uniform, get them to practice dressing themselves because, you know, when they go to swimming lessons at school or if they have an accident, there might be a time where they have to put their own uniform on, doing their own shoes, Velcro, not laces. Vel- okay, <laughs> let's have a whole episode on Velcro versus laces and let's be clear to anyone sending their children to school, I am telling you for the sake of your sanity and picking up your child, even Billy, she's in grade two now. I just had an absolute gutful of her walking out of the school with laces undone and tripping over them. We are Velcro all the way, and she knows it's how like to do them instead up instead of buttons on newborns. Totally, but she knows how to do them up. But she, it's almost like she just can't be muffed doing it. So, well, there's so many other funner things to do. Well, there are. Like, there's a lot going on. The worst thing for a teacher is when a little boy comes out. Out of the boys' toilets and wants you to do their shoelace up and they're wet. And oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so Velcro, hashtag Velcro. Velcro all the way, yes. Actually, speaking of boys, we forgot to mention it before. Is it a myth that boys are ready for school later or is it true? Oh, yeah, there's definitely an idea out there that girls are ready first, but I think it just really comes down to the child, their personality, mm. Childcare, what they've done at home, yeah, because I've definitely had some boys that were on the younger side that were 100% ready and then girls that just weren't. Yeah. And I think what you were saying before, Sophie, about girls sort of hiding the fact that they're not ready, like poppy not coping just from a stamina point of view, I think that's something to consider as well. Boys kind of might have the energy to get through yeah. the school day. I think one of the things with boys is their impulse control (laughs) I can already tell with my son that this will probably be an issue when he's older they just often will just do things before they think yeah (laughs) so that can be that can be a tricky one at school I think having some level of impulse control is a big thing with school readiness because 
just being able to sit and listen to a story or follow an instruction with more than one step is a lot for some children, especially little boys sometimes. So, yeah, I think being able to have some level of impulse control is really important. How important is it if you've got the option to send your child to a kindergarten or a preschool that is going to have a lot of like kids going to the same school or picking a school that has a lot of the kids going from, you know, vice versa? Is that important or do they make friends pretty quickly anyway? They do. I think at that age they're pretty resilient and it really, again, depends on the child because for some children that's really important to them and others will just, you know, throw themselves into the next thing. So personalities mm. is so dependent on that. I think, yeah, some kids just have that knack for being able to throw themselves into a new situation, go up to anyone, start a conversation, whereas others just they need their safety net of, of their friends. So, again, I think it comes down to your child and, and what you think is best for them. Does bullying occur at such an early age as PrEP? Like how do you prepare your child and if you're not there to protect them? So bullying is, is something that teachers like to get across to parents that a child, you know, saying something mean to to them once is not bullying. Bullying is is a repeated thing. It's it's constant. It's you know, they won't leave you alone. So a lot of kids will come up and say they were bullying me because they had an argument with their friend. So I think it's important to sort of talk to them about the difference between a disagreement or someone being rude or mean and then bullying, which is a repeated thing. But I think in terms of, I think one of the hardest things about sending kids to school is it's heartbreaking to think that, I'm just thinking about my son, that at some point someone's going to be mean. Mm. Like they're going to have a disagreement or they're going to feel like they had no one to play with one day. And it is, it's really, it's a sad thought. Um, So I think it's about giving them the skills to say, stop, I don't like it if someone's being rude to them or mean and, you know, having the, I guess, the confidence to not play with someone if, if they're being mean to them. And I think getting the message across that you don't have to be everyone's friend, but, you know, we treat everyone with kindness and, I think if they are experiencing someone being mean to them, especially repeatedly, that they can go and ask for help from their teacher. And I think that's important to practice, I guess, speaking to adults and asking for help from people they don't know. So really getting the message across that you find the teacher that's on duty, they're there to help you if, if someone's doing something that's making you feel unsafe or unhappy. But on a positive note to that, it's kind of like school is our mini setup for our life. Like you're in there, you're learning all these social new habits, you're learning how to yes. deal with so <laughs> many different personalities, you are learning when someone says something nasty, how you're going to react to that or are you going to say, no, 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 I don't like that, you know, and these are the the conversations and the things that happen all the time. Like my children have been on opposite ends of all of these circumstances and I'm the first person to make sure that we all want our children in our eyes to be the perfect child. 
but reality is situations occur and it does not exist. But I think as a parent, if you are open to the fact that when conversations arise from teachers or parents that you have to be open-minded, you're not there next to your child, you don't know what's going on, you don't know who they're friends with, and regardless of what you think and see at home, you have to have some sort of open-mindedness to, okay, how are we going to channel this? How can I better this situation with my child on my end? And this is something that I think will happen for many, many years. High school, gosh, I don't even know where we're going to go down in that path. But like <laughs> even just the primary school age, it's, yeah, it's such a, a frightening time for everyone. And we're all just learning, aren't we? It is. Yeah. It's, it's full on. And I think, again, like have that relationship with the teacher is really important like sometimes if something's happened a quick email to the teacher can just put everyone's mind at ease yeah (laughs) I think you know if if something's occurred in the playground or something's you know happened at home once I speak to the parents it just sort of eases the anxiety for everyone that's for sure how do we know if a teacher isn't right for our child like is it best for resilience to just like keep them in that class and you know you have to learn obviously in life to interact with people that you maybe don't gel with or is there times that it's beneficial for everyone for like a child to be moved yeah I think in terms of resilience and, and dealing with different personalities and situations, I think it's a good idea to Stick not it out. move them. This is probably something I haven't dealt with as, as a teacher. Yeah, because I think sometimes that disruption of moving classes can possibly be worse, especially if they've settled in and they've made some friends. Yeah, obviously if if things are you know, really not good. Like if if things are really escalating and there's a lot of issues getting them into school and there's school refusal, that would, I guess, be a time when you would speak Mm. with with the office and and see what support there is. Like if things are are quite bad and and there's flat out school refusal, that's when you would, you'd speak to the office and you'd you'd get some outside help, whether it's a guidance officer or a principal or something. There's a lot of resources for parents in schools. Like I think if that separation anxiety is, you know, getting worse or you have a random flare up through the year and things are really bad and you can't get them in the door, um, it's definitely beneficial to make a plan with the teacher and, and speak to the office about moving forward and how putting some kind of plan in place. Because, yeah, that's something, the flat-out school refusal is is something that you really don't want. So it's best to put things in place before it gets to that yeah. stage. I think a lot of parents don't want to be an annoyance to the teacher yeah. or, or anything, so they'll hold off from contacting. But if things are not good and, and you're struggling to get them in the door, it's definitely important to get on top of it early I was a dance teacher for a while and I can assure you that there's some parents that do not mind being the annoyance about absolutely everything. (laughs) Well, 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 don't we learn something every day about something? I was like, I have your child for an hour a week. How do your school teachers deal with you? Oh, man, it's so tough. I take my hat off to every teacher. 
oh, respect. Oh, thank you. Honestly. It's funny, like, I think during COVID when the parents were doing the homeschool thing, my God, I just, the amount of emails I had just saying. Thank you. Thank you mm. for everything. Like, I don't know how you do it. Like, they need to double your pay. And I, mm. I was very mindful, though, of the fact that these poor parents, a lot of them were actually trying to work full time yeah. and be a teacher and your kids at home. I'm not going to listen like they do. No, it still goes off to you. You guys have got like 20 or more of them. Like I, I'm flat out with my two children at home and I'm not actually even trying to teach them anything like <laughs> far out. Consciously anyway. Well, yeah, that first week of, of prep is a bit like herding cats, especially trying to get them to walk into lines takes a big chunk of your day. How long is kind of normal for that transition to take? Like if our kids are still being clingy like three, four, five weeks on, like when and should you go? Yeah, off. when should you start being like, oh, I think there needs to be, you know, the plan, like mm. them helping out with the worksheets or whatever. Like how long's kind of outside of what's expected? Usually it'll take a couple of weeks for some kids, but if it gets to the point, like I know you don't you don't want to compare your child to other children, but if you're getting there and, and you know, every other kid's sitting down on the mat and your child is just really having a hard time just not wanting to separate, I think that's probably when it's time to to start putting something in place for the teacher. I think a very quick drop-off is better than a yeah, long one. Absolutely. I know. Rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, on that first day of prep, every teacher's different, but I used to invite the parents in, you know, say a quick goodbye, settle the child, put the name tag on, maybe stage or drawing or something. But once the teacher says go, like just if you can, I know it's hard, like try and save the tears for the car and just mm. try and get out of there and don't look back. Like the teacher's well equipped to deal with the tears and those sorts of things, but it's it's hard. And saying that now that I'm a mum, I think, my God, like the thought of leaving Cade would be just devastating. I don't know how all these parents do it. <laughs> I find that anxiety in kids, like if you are showing them and you are lingering and you are doing that, it's a lot harder for them to detach. Mia would struggle even like in grade one and two if there was an issue going on at school that she'd be like, oh, gosh, you know, if I were like, oh, are you sure you're okay or it's okay, come here, give you a hug. If you're not sure, she's even less sure. Absolutely. So I got to a point with showing her positive affirmation and I would not be like, like I wouldn't just block out her emotions. I would say I understand that you're feeling like this. However, you're going to have a really nice day and I think you're going to feel a lot better once you're in school. I'd walk her to the gate and then I'd say I love you very much and you're going to have a great day and no joke I would watch her she would get a few steps in the cry would stop she'd find a friend and she'd be laughing and and it's literally ripping the band-aid off and knowing that every time obviously you know they love routine they love repetition because it's a sign of comfort when you see that and you do the same thing over and over again you you do find comfort in knowing that as as hard as it is in the moment there is a massive reward at the end absolutely I think parents need to be the sense of calm even if they're not feeling calm the old fake it till you make it mentality first day most parents are not feeling calm at drop off but if you can just pretend you are because like kids feed off your emotions and and what your behavior definitely and it's the same with teaching like people would say to me oh your class is always so calm like how do you do it and I was definitely not calm 
every minute of the day in the classroom, but yeah, you're if saying a few F bombs left, right, and center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just think if you can sort of maintain that kind of sense of calm, even if you're not feeling it, as long as you come across that way for the kids, it really helps. And yeah, routine, routine, routine definitely the most important thing. Kids love it. And on this note, how can we the prepare most important the most note. important? This is final, <laughs> the final question. And it's actually a big part of, I think, why Poppy is going to be starting school late is because I am not ready. How do we prepare ourselves for our child to start school? Like I was saying before, I think other parents are your greatest asset. Like if you can, I think make some friends for yourself before school. Like if you can get there nice and early to those orientation sessions and just meet the other parents, as long as you've got someone to talk to, you can kind of, you know, commiserate with each other about how your morning went. I think too, also making sure that on that first day of school, you're up early and not running late because I think running late on that first day is just going to add to that anxiety. So I think having everything ready to go, faking it if you need to, pretending you're nice and calm and, yeah, making lots of friends with other parents because they've been there, they've done it, they've got so many different stories and tips for you along the way. And none of them are right or wrong. (laughs) It is all a journey. One of my biggest fears is it finally being my kids' decision who they're friends with and, like, who we have to hang out with. I'm like, like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, the best part of before school is it's, like, anyone you hang out with on the weekend is, like, your decision and you force the friendship. That's it. And kids, when they're little, they just don't care who they play with. They'll play with anyone. And I think, yeah, having those mum friends, like, just... Oh, being able to text my friend and just saying, like, what a night I just had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, how was yours? It just, and it's the same with school. Like, you know, if you can text a parent and say, oh, God, I forgot the library bag and, you know, they would have done that a million times. So, yeah, they're your greatest asset. And for lastly, for anyone that is interested in Danielle's book that she has created, it's called Before Big School. Sophie absolutely loved it, hence why we've got her on today. And we can put a link in the show notes. But to you, we just want to say an absolute massive thank you for coming on and sharing your tips because it is a really scary, scary decision when they start school. And it's nice to know that we're we're not alone. It's one of those things that before you're in it, you never think it's even going to be a question or you think the decision will be so easy like obviously my child will be ready or not ready and then I found myself yeah. here and I have a February baby and a January baby so I'm gonna have to do this twice <laughs> where it's like yes. I've got to make the choice so yeah, yeah thank I've you got so much a May baby so he will definitely be the youngest if I was to send him yeah. early so that's sort of why I think I started to think about writing this book and you know teacher hat and parent hat I thought what would I do at home to make sure he was ready and I just didn't want something that felt like a textbook I didn't want something that was overly complicated it was it's very conversational and very practical lots of talking and the cover's beautiful so it looks lovely wherever you put so it so now they've got a book and they've got a ripper podcast to listen to it's yeah. a it's a win-win you don't need to do anything else just yeah <laughs> Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.